0: It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 81, The Sea Devils. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, yet again, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann.
1: I say, you wouldn't have some more biscuits, would you? Biscuits?
0: Perhaps some sausages, maybe some eggs. And... <laughs> better go, better go. Oh, dear. Ah. Uh... About that. It's very, very
1: much enjoyable, uh, the food here, you know. It takes my mind off of what's going on outside.
0: <clears throat> what, um, yes, and, uh, um. Well, I'd much rather think of the food than the nuclear missiles. Okay. Paul, snap out of it. <laughs> hey everybody we're back <laughs> it's been too long but we are back we, we took an unexpected hiatus so that's what oh, we're goodness. calling <laughs> but oh yeah we're back <laughs> paul it's
1: good to have you back buddy i'm just happy that there's not either some kind of natural disaster or or some type of alien virus running amok in my house. <laughs> you think about this. I, I was sick for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we had hurricanes right. for like two weeks. Yes. <laughs> and, and then my entire family was sick <laughs> for another week. <laughs> and then this week, uh, yeah. well, I don't even want to get into this week.
0: <laughs> well, we don't <laughs> need to get into that. All, all oh. that matters is we're back. I'm so happy to have you back on the show, Paul. Here's the thing. I don't know
1: if the master is trying to hide his evil plan so that we can't expose him to the rest of the listeners. Or if he just doesn't want us to talk about these episodes because he's just kind of embarrassed. Mm. (laughs) Well, that is the question, isn't
0: it? Well, that that brings us back to the fact that, yes, folks, we are returning to our Master Story reviews. It's been a while. It's been since, well, you know, before Series 9 started that we did one of these episodes and we ended with the Daemons. Yes, which I thoroughly enjoyed. So we're going to be picking up with the uh, the Sea Devils. Yeah, the Daemons was fantastic. We're picking up with the Sea Devils here and we're going to find out how much Paul and I liked or disliked this episode in a minute. But first, Paul, we've got some news we want to hit up. Okay. <laughs> we don't have a lot of big news or anything. There's there's a couple of things that are you know, big enough that we want to talk about here. First of all is the announcement for the new mobile and PC game Doctor Who Infinity. Yeah. For those of you who have downloaded Doctor Who Legacy, the mobile game, the mobile puzzle game, which I have and is actually very good. This is by the same folks. It's supposed to be comic book styled, and I think it's supposed to follow just about every single storyline of the series. This is going to be interesting. I'm not exactly sure what all is going to be in this. There's a you know a press release talking about the design of the games and all that fun stuff, but there's not a lot of details about the game itself. But this looks yeah. interesting, and the artwork they released for it Looks fantastic. Well, this artwork looks like an aged comic book. Yeah,
1: you know, it looks like that. It's been a comic that somebody's been flipping through and looking at. It's even got little like, marks across it that give it kind of an aged look. You know, and I think that that's really kind of nice. It kind of reminds me of the poster that I have behind me on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, it's intentionally marked up to look like it's aged. Yeah,
0: it's by the same folks who did Doctor Who Legacy. Uh, this is called Doctor Who Infinity. And I believe it's supposed to start with the first Doctor story, the Dalek invasion of Earth. I think is how that's where that's supposed to start. Really? I was reading this article now. I can't find where it says that. Hold (laughs) on. Well, it says the Dalek invasion of time on this picture. Yes. Maybe it's a new story then. I'm not, like I said, I'm not entirely sure, but they're saying it's going to, you know, everyone who's enjoyed Doctor Who Legacy should be amazed at how we've taken everything we've learned to the next level in this game doctor who infinity is supposed to be released early spring of 2018 with a soft launch and then a, a full launch globally in late spring of 2018 you've got time to play through doctor who legacy i might just have to check this out i'd, I'd check it out it's a fun little game i haven't seen legacy yet so it's, it's a puzzle game and a nice fun time killer <laughs> i know i've wasted many an hour playing it <laughs> doctor who infinity looks pretty cool so i'll definitely be checking it out next spring What's next that we got here? Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, David Bradley is going to be returning to Doctor Who after the Christmas special uh, to play the first Doctor for Big Finish. Hmm? But wait, (laughs) there's more. (laughs) Not only is David Bradley returning, but the entire crew from An Adventure in Space and Time, Jamie Glover, returns to play Ian. Gemma Powell returns to play Barbara. And Claudia Grant returns to play Susan for the first Doctor Adventures, Volume 1 and Volume 2. I love it. This is exciting. I love it. This is amazing. Um, There's four stories in here. Two of them are historical pieces because, you know, the original Doctor Who was supposed to be somewhat of an educational show. And so they're (laughs) returning to the style of the original show. Uh,
1: Verity Lambert just spun it like it was an educational show so she could get it going.
0: (laughs) Yes. That's probably true. Uh,
1: Well, I mean, when your second story arc is the Daleks. Yeah. (laughs) True. And Doctor Who has never
0: been the same since. That's very true. That is very, very true. (laughs) The characters, the actors aren't imitating the original characters. It's fresh performances that are emulating these characters. So, you know, basically what David bradley has been doing with the first Doctor all along. And they're really excited about it. And I think this could be fantastic. Volume 1 will feature the story, uh, The Destination Wars and The Great White Hurricane. And that'll be available in December from Big Finish. Uh, and then July 2018 will be Volume 2. And that'll have The Invention of Death and the Barbarians and the Samurai. And one of these episodes is supposed to feature the Master. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah. I guess I guess they will... Uh, they bill it as a big finish exclusive. I guess they will ruin
1: our headcanon
0: then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I still like that idea.
1: <laughs> hey, this could be, in canon, the very first appearance of the Master with the Doctor.
0: It could be. It could be. And uh, they don't say which of those episodes he's in, so... Uh, I'm not sure. They, they, I can't. I can't tell you which episode, which volume. I'm it will assuming in, it's going to be will be in one of them at least.
1: I'm assuming it's going to be previous to Delgado, probably.
0: Yes, it is. Um, as far as I can tell, at least obviously it's played by a different person, and I, of course I just closed it, so I can't <laughs> <laughs> who it was. But oh. anyway, but we've got one last little bit of of information that surfaced, uh, and this is hmm. from uh, the BBC shop here in the United States, posted basically the back of the DVD. For Twice Upon a Time So We've got the synopsis here For Twice Upon a Time Uh, (laughs) If you don't want to know what this is If you're wanting to stay away from any spoilers Whatsoever Go ahead and fast forward a couple minutes We're going to read this And then we're going to move on Spoilers All right. Are you ready for this, Paul? (laughs) Y'all ready for this? Okay, let's not do that. (laughs) The Twice Upon a Time synopsis is as follows. Two doctors stranded in a forbidding snowscape, refusing to face regeneration. A British army captain seemingly destined to die in the First World War, but taken from the trenches to play his part in the doctor's story. This is the magical last chapter in the Twelfth Doctor's epic adventure. He must face his past to decide his future, and the Doctor will realize the resilience of humanity, discovering hope in his darkest frozen moment. It is the end of an era, but the Doctor's journey is only just beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. What do you think about this, Paul? Yeah,
1: I mean, if you, if, if you think about it, it is kind of interesting because we are ending the era of Peter Capaldi. But this will be, apparently, the story that leads us into the regeneration into Patrick Troughton. So I'm (laughs) really, really excited to see just how all this ties together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're going to... Really excited. Conceivably, we're going to have two
1: regenerations in this episode. You know, I wish... This is something I wish they would do, and I, I guarantee they probably won't. But something that I wish they would do is take... The original footage of patrick troughton at the end of the first regeneration and superimpose it into the end of this with you know colorization and the whole nine yards just so that we actually get to see patrick troughton as the doctor in the end of this in like a little
0: cut scene or something i think that would be fantastic that could be awesome <laughs> i i would be okay with that
1: <laughs> I mean, just a visual, you know, lead-in to to the the the, uh, the power of the Daleks without actually going into any of the footage at the beginning
0: of that. Right. Now, th- this is uh, the, <laughs> the DVD cover here, so to speak. It doesn't really give too much away from what we've already kind of seen and know from the trailers and stuff they've already said. Uh, so the this synopsis doesn't give too much away, but. The fact that it's out there gets me excited for, you know, the idea that we're just a couple months away to seeing this thing. Band bloody-tastic. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Uh,
1: well. We're not getting that much in this, but, you know, it is giving us just enough to entice us, to make us kind of drool a little bit more for the coming Christmas season, you know. Pretty much. And, uh... Yeah, I, I'm just going to be honest about it. I'm probably going to make my family angry again when I insist to watch Doctor Who in the middle of family gathering. <laughs> 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 just
0: saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that going to become a Christmas tradition for you now? Make them mad by watching Doctor Who?
1: Hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, shall we get into The Sea Devils? Why not? All right. So here are the facts. Sea Devils was written by Malcolm Hulk, directed by Michael E. Bryant, and was originally released the 26th of February through the 1st of April, 1972. And the synopsis is as follows. The Doctor and Joe visit the Master in his high-security prison on an island off the south coast of England. The Governor, Colonel Trenchard, says ships have been disappearing mysteriously at sea. The Doctor discovers that Trenchard and the Master are in league to contact the Sea Devils, a race of reptiles in hibernation in a base beneath the sea who have been awoken by recent work on a nearby sea fort. The Master intends to use his new allies to help him conquer the world. So Paul... Can you real quick give me a short reaction to the Sea Devils? Okay, I'm just going to be perfectly honest.
1: I watched this, I got to the end of it, and, and I that. kind of felt a little bit like I did when I watched Kill the Moon. <laughs> um <laughs> I I was kind of like, what did I just watch? You know <laughs> and And I really don't like feeling that when I watch uh, Doctor Who, you know, especially with the third doctor. I've almost always enjoyed the third doctor in just about everything I've seen. Even if the 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 story isn't as dynamic as I would hope it would be, the fact that it has the third doctor in it makes it entertaining for me. This was just kind of uh, I didn't really know how to feel, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. There were aspects in it that I that, that I that I enjoyed, but then there were other parts where I literally kind of just laughed out loud, if you get what I'm saying. And not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way, you know. <laughs> you go ahead and give your your thoughts on this, and we'll get into the the, the right. details about this.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> this is one I've watched a couple times now, and I still don't feel like I quite understand this scheme entirely. The Master has a scheme, as he always does, but I'm not sure, I still, I'm not sure, I entirely understand what his goal with it is. Well, I, I did kind of get that part, but... Yeah, there's, there's some fun stuff in this story, uh, there's some fun moments that I'm sure we'll bring up, but it, it's a six episode arc. So it's two hours. Yeah. It, if you want to sit down and watch it all at once. And it's kind of a slog sometimes. So it's six episodes that should probably be four. Yes. The interesting thing <laughs> is that the Sea Devils and the Silurians are genetically related cousins essentially. So that's kind of interesting. The Silurians so far in the canon of Doctor Who, from what we've seen
1: all the way back through all of Classic Who up into New Who there appear to be about four different versions of the Silurians, yeah. from what I've been able to gather, and,
0: and this is one of them.
1: This is probably the the the, um, the 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 one version that's kind of on the lower end of the gene pool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they haven't evolved enough to emerge from the water yet. <laughs> it's-
1: you know, I, these this is the version that I kind of feel like Lady Vastra would look at and go, um, "No, I, I don't think you're cooked enough. Go back and get." <laughs> oh man! Two words, just no. Just <laughs> you know. <no. laughs> Thanks, Lady Vastra. <laughs> oh, oh man! <laughs> we need to go back at some point and do all of the Silurian episodes, too. Yes, we do. We do. Um, (laughs) Just saying.
0: That definitely (laughs) needs to happen. Let's go ahead and Uh. jump into the plot here, though. When we last left the Master in the Daemons, which is one of the best Master episodes we've done so far, he was captured (laughs) at the end. Yes. Uh, by Bessie and the doctor's remote control in his pocket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still one of the greatest scenes as he's pulling away in Bessie and everyone's like, Doctor, what? And he's like, Wait. And he just pulls out the remote control and turns the car <laughs> around. And the master just I sits s- there glowering <laughs> at the doctor <laughs> as it pulls <laughs> up in front of the soldiers.
1: I think it would have been hilarious if, if the car had been going in circles and then you heard this underlined little little music of Ring Around the Rosies, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just the look the master is giving the doctor as the car pulls around and parks right in front of the unit soldiers is priceless. I just had a thought pop into my head. Uh-oh.
1: Jane, get me off this crazy
0: thing! <laughs> Doctor! (laughs) Nope, not going to do it. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. All that fun and aside, um, the master's in prison now. But is he really? (laughs) Well, right. Is he really in prison? (laughs) The doctor, however, is feeling a little bit sorry and decides to check up. On the master with joe and they go and they see him and uh he's the only prisoner in this prison which is essentially a converted castle on an island <laughs> so- the nice thing about this scene for me was this was the first
1: time in all of doctor who that we actually got to hear the doctor talk about his past relationship with the master you know about how they used to be friends school chums you might say yes and and so this is when they start taking that relationship into a different direction in the show narratively. Yeah. Because you knew they had a past already. You could tell they had a past already, but they didn't tell you anything about it. Mm-hmm. And this is where you start getting that information.
0: Yeah. And of course the master is is playing it off like, Oh doctor, it's so good to see you. I've totally changed And the doctor's <laughs> like Yeah. Sure, you have. Which is really um, <laughs> ironic that we saw this right
1: after our last season of Peter Capaldi's episodes with Missy saying
0: the same thing. <laughs> uh, right? How fortuitous for us. It's like the TARDIS brought us back to this point for a reason. Uh, I know, right? Uh, you would think we planned it that way, right? <laughs> but we didn't. Oh, man. We're oh. having way too much fun talking about watching the episodes than we are actually talking about the episodes. Um, that might give oh. you an idea of how this is going to go, folks.
1: <laughs> well, of course, that, that also tends to happen when we have not been able to do this for a little while, too it's having fun
0: right yeah how do we do this thing how do we do the podcast thing paul do you remember well
1: we we tend to digress a little bit more the longer the period of time goes when we haven't been able to actually sit down and have real conversations about this kind of stuff so just bear with us yes we
0: will get there but we're having a lot of fun doing it right exactly (laughs) hopefully you enjoy it um But basically, the doctor is there, and he starts getting suspicious because Colonel Trenchard, who's in charge of this prison, who's an old-school guy who's been, you know, passed over for, you know, recognition and stuff, but he's left in charge of this prison, this very important prison, um, casually happens to mention to the doctor and Joe that they should be careful when they return to the mainland because of all those ships disappearing. And the doctor goes, disappearing ships? What? (laughs) And the master finds out about this little conversation. Yeah. And he goes, imbecile, why did you do that? And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Ships have apparently been disappearing and getting attacked mysteriously with little to no survivors whatsoever. So the doctor, of course, goes to the people who should know what's going on, that being the nearby naval base on the mainland, <laughs> uh, because they apparently have a boat that's been attacked by some sort of mysterious device and nobody is being able to get near it. So he decides to go have a look because it's what he does. Um. (laughs) This is when the doctor steals the dinghy, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. The doctor steals a dinghy. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Right. And then Joe has to steal a bike in order to go after the doctor because he's going to get himself in trouble and nearly thrown in the brig because he just wanders on to the naval base, this top secret naval base. (laughs) And she has to go get the unit passes and catch up to him to say, yeah, no, we're okay to be here. <laughs> Isn't that just typical? I promise was supposed to be here. Right. <laughs> Don't you have me a pass? I would never carry the bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're supposed to.
1: <laughs> this is when the doctor oh. needed his psychic paper. Right? <laughs>
0: oh. But apparently, <laughs> Captain John Hart, who's in charge of the Sea the Seaspite, which is the name of the base, is convinced by their passes and is intrigued when the doctor says that, obviously, the scorched pattern on this, this boat that they have wasn't caused by any sort of, like, natural phenomena or an explosion. It was caused by a concentrated beam of heat from under the sea. Because that's not weird. Right. Captain Hart <laughs> kind of – because he and his men are completely out of their depth – completely starts to rely on the doctor to help them figure out what's going on. But,
1: uh, here's, here's my thing, okay? Everybody, everybody in these episodes act like they're so closed-minded, so <laughs> bull-headed, if you will. Yes. That they literally, at every hand's turn, stand in the way of progress of figuring out how to fix this issue. It's just, it gets to the point where you're literally going idiots just shut up and let him do his thing so it's
0: just, you know. yeah you see what I'm saying I mean yeah the, <laughs> the doctor could have solved this in three episodes but everybody else kept getting in the way
1: even the people that are supposed to be helping him on the same side tend to do that as well
0: you know yes because <laughs> they're all stuck in their heads with red tape and everything everyone <laughs> everyone keeps getting in the way the doctor though <laughs> deduces that there is a sea fort that is at the center of where the ship attacks have been. And so, of course, he has to go investigate with Joe. And the two of them go, and they find a dead crewman. There's two mechanics that are supposed to be on this thing, getting things back up and running. One of them is dead, and the other one shuffles out of the darkness, muttering some incoherent nonsense about sea devils. Apparently, they've been attacked. And the Doctor and Joe try and calm him down when... They run across a sea devil wandering the fort. And the sea devil, of course, is like, oh, we can't have any witnesses and tries to kill them. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And gets himself electrocuted by the doctor of the process and then uh, turns and runs out and jumps out an open window in order to escape the doctor by diving into the sea. All right. Can we talk about what the sea devils look like? Sure. What do they look like? (laughs) This
1: is going to be good. They look like giant sea turtles. And Jar Jar Binks had a baby. (laughs) They really do. Oh my gosh.
0: You're not wrong. (laughs) I never thought of it like that, but you are absolutely right. Oh my goodness. Jar Jar Binks and a giant sea turtle. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm going to have a hard time keeping that out of my head for the rest of the episode. Um, <laughs> there's, there's our Star Wars reference. <laughs> but it actually fits with the, the episode we're talking about this time. Oh, my gosh. These things are so <laughs> horrible. I mean, this. oh, my... Uh, mm. And they're they're wearing essentially blue fishnet. Mm. A blue fishnet sack is what they're wearing. They would have been better off to have done
1: something similar to what they did with the Silurans of Nuhu, where they gave them masks to wear. That Mm would have been so much better in my mind, because at least then you wouldn't have had to have worried about the eyes You wouldn't have had to worry about the mouth moving when they spoke or anything like that. This, it literally felt like that you had people walking around with a giant rubber head on the top of their head, like a hat. And then their faces wrapped in rubber. And I literally, I know that's what they had to have done to to get this look, you know. But it, oh, I'm sure for back in the day when it was created, this was considered to be much more appropriate (laughs) i mean but when when you think about the fact that like planet of the apes came out in roughly the same time period yeah and the 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 faces on those were so much more realistic and everything it's just really it comes off as kind of embarrassing to be perfectly honest
0: well (laughs) according to the tardis wiki here this storyline Suffered a huge budget crunch because of all of the expensive on-location shooting that they did. Like they actually went to a navy base, they actually went to some of these sea forts, yeah. and it was really expensive to go that and film at great. these places. That part is great. Yeah. The the part the the
1: the number one thing in this that suffers are the sea devils themselves. Yeah. And and even the yeah. actors that are portraying these things, their body language and everything while they're in these <laughs> suits, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, guys, you're not playing Cyberman. You're playing <laughs> something that's biological. You don't have to walk like robots, you know? It, and uh, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know, man. It was just ah, uh, they they just they started to grate on me. The the longer we would go into this, the more they would just grate on
0: me. Because they, yeah. I just felt like they could have been done so much better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the uh, the other thing that apparently, um, and I found this out reading the uh, the TARDIS wiki as well, that was apparently adjusted because of the expensive location shooting was the music. Um, instead of hiring Dudley Simpson and who was the standard guy that would uh, you know do the incidental music composer for the the show. Uh, they did the in-house BBC Radiophonic workshop to do the the incidental music for the show. And it really shows. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it really shows. Yeah. <laughs> The music is all electronic warbles and yeah. weirdness and it's it's <laughs> I don't particularly like it but I'll be sure to <laughs> use some of the music in maybe the the intro or the outro uh, of this show so you guys can hear what it what it was like cuz it's weird stuff yeah. and it, not all of it's bad but none of it is necessarily good. Um, so. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it started <laughs> to get annoying because there were some of it was like high pitched enough that it was like really starting to grate on my ears, which is why I really noticed the music in this, <laughs> this storyline. Let's get back to the, the plot here. <laughs> the doctor and Joe are rescued by Captain Hart. The master, however, has you know, been revealed that he's trying to communicate and make contact with the sea devils. They're part of his plan. And so he convinces Colonel Trenchard to go visit the military base with him in disguise as an officer in order to steal some parts so he can build his machine and contact the sea devils. Trenchard goes and does his job beautifully, which his job is to go in to Captain Hart's office and just be a distraction. Take up as much time as possible and distract the doctor and Colonel Hart from anything going on outside so the master can make his way around the base unimpeded so he can steal the equipment. And oh my gosh, Trenchard is obnoxious as I'll get out. Deliberately (laughs) clueless as to any hints that he needs to leave the office now. He plays his part (laughs) perfectly. It's like, oh, Oh. I see you're busy. I'm so terribly sorry. But you will come and do this thing with us this week. We really would depend on you, Captain Hart. You know? And the only thing that goes awry for the master in this is that joe is so bored of captain <laughs> trenchard droning on in the office that she is staring out the window and notices the master walking around outside that is the only thing that goes wrong with this plan <laughs> <laughs> well and so of course the doctor has to run out and try and find the master but he's long gone and uh he ends up going back to the prison to confront trenchard And the master about what was going on, and Trencher's like, oh no, he's still in his cell, see? And he pulls up the video (laughs) feed of the cell, and there's the master sitting comfortably. Okay, okay, okay. I have to ask.
1: Every time they would turn the screen off and on, am I the only one that thought that this looked like a set of mini-blinds or something that would open and close? Yes. You know? (laughs) Yes. I mean, Venusian blinds. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they were, they were blinds. They were blinds that they projected the oh. screen onto, the, the image of the screen onto oh, in, in post.
1: Why? <laughs> Why?
0: <laughs> that's so bad. Uh, probably because uh. they had to shoot those scenes first rather than the stuff inside the cell where the actual footage would have been. I don't know. That's my guess. But wouldn't but, it have been easier
1: just to put like a, a green or a blue square on the wall and then just like projected it onto the blue or green and post. I mean, that makes more sense to me. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it, it comes off oh. like everything in this intentionally was done in a way to be experimental, you know, and then it just, everything that they tried to do experimentally just kind of f- failed utterly. You know, it's, I don't yeah. know. I mean, hey, yeah. at least we didn't have to see the TARDIS uh, materialize and dematerialize in the blink of an eye, right?
0: <laughs> Poof! Whoa! <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention, though, <laughs> is that uh, when the master calls Trenchard into the uh, the prison cell in order to tell him of his plan to sneak onto the naval base, he's watching television, do you remember this scene? He's watching television. Oh, yeah And it's like these, yes. you know, stop motion, little, like, puppet-looking characters. It's a children's show. Yes. <laughs> he's watching a children's show that, you know, and there's these little, you know, stop motion aliens on this children's oh. show. And he's like, this is fascinating stuff. <laughs> I've never seen know? this race and, before. <laughs> and, and Trencher goes, yeah, it's fascinating I've never seen this race before. And Trencher's like, well, it's a children's show. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they're puppets. <laughs> yeah, they're puppets. And they, they, like, whistle to communicate with each other. And so the Masters, they're trying to imitate oh. the speech. You know? <laughs> it's it's funny. It's funny, but it's at the fun- same
1: time, op- it's somewhat believable that he might not know this because he's not from Earth. Right. It's
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It,
0: oh. Mm. <laughs> But, of course, the doctor is not convinced by Trenchard that the master is actually in the cell. So he goes to see for himself. The master has, of course, acquired weapons and is waiting for the doctor. And I like the moment because the doctor goes into the cell. He's standing in the doorway. The master's like, ah, doctor. And he's got a gun leveled at the doctor. And the doctor just goes, hmm, looks at the gun, looks at the (laughs) master. Goodbye. And then backs out the door and closes it behind him. (laughs) In one swift movement. Just like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Goodbye. Boom. And he just closes the door. <laughs> so, but of course, the master follows him out and they end up getting into a sword fight, which is actually one of the cooler scenes in the episode. Yeah, the, you
1: actually get to see the doctor swashbuckle again. Yes, because we got to see him do that as the first doctor, if you'll remember. Oh, just a little bit, uh, yeah. which I thought was terrific. You know, and and that's something else. You know, yeah. uh, I I've heard people say, well, you know, the first doctor, he's just not very, uh, not very action packed and everything. And I'm thinking, but you haven't seen the episodes where he's actually gotten his sword and fought with people and whatnot. You know, and or used his cane as a sword because those those are really fun episodes. You know, yeah, I think that those little glimpses that you get as the first Doctor, um, and then, of course, leading into the second and third Doctor, I think that that kind of gives you a glimpse into what the Doctor used to be before his body aged to the point that it had as the first Doctor, and so you get to see him kind of revert back to that in the second and third Doctors. Because as the first Doctor,
0: you do have those scenes, and it's so nice to see that, you know? Yeah. And we get a nice two to three minute sword fight here between the master and the doctor. And it's actually quite fun. Yeah. (laughs) The doctor eating a sandwich partway through it and ducking behind a curtain.
1: Oh, what? Speaking of the doctor eating the sandwich. (laughs) I think I know what you're talking about. Do you remember when they brought food in to give to Joe? And the doctor said, Joe, you can't think about eating at a time like this. And he takes the food away and he starts passing the sandwiches out to other people and then takes the last one and eats it himself. And she's standing there looking at him like, but, but, but I'm the only one that didn't get one, you know,
0: and he's just completely oblivious. You know? and he, he's taken a bite out of this last little sandwich and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, Joe, did you want one? She goes, no, that's okay. <laughs> and she's the one that asked for it in the first
1: place, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. I but thought it, that was... It was all okay. Oh, that that made me think of Tom Baker. That made me think of David Tennant. And that made me think of Matt Smith, all three at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <Yeah.
0: laughs> oh. oh it, it was good. It was good. But it was okay because, you know, uh, Captain Hart's uh, assistant, uh, she went out and got some more sandwiches for Joe. So, yeah. <laughs> Joe did get fed. Don't worry.
1: But it was so funny to see because he was completely oblivious to what he had just done. You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The doctor
0: and the master finish their sword fight uh, with the doctor emerging victorious. I've always told you that violence is never the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But Trenchard comes in and decides... Uh ...to lock the doctor up for interfering with the prisoner and all this stuff, and he decides that that's going to be the way it's going to be, and he locks the doctor up and attempts to capture Joe and have her locked up because she was still back in the office, but she manages to escape the soldiers and is now at large on the premises. So while the soldiers are looking for Joe, the master gets to work on his machine... And the Master tells Trenchard that he's doing this to fight enemy agents, because Trenchard doesn't really know what the Master's real plan is. He's essentially a good-hearted man who's been completely manipulated and led astray by the Master. He's a very patriotic man, and is doing this because he believes that it's the only way to stop these enemy agents the Master is telling him about. Jo, of course, finds her way around to a window where the Doctor is being held in his cell, and uh, manages to get his attention... In order to free the doctor one of the best little moments of this episode is when they communicate silently through the window (laughs) just like we get David Tennant (laughs) and Catherine Tate as Ten and Donna um, when they first see each other in their first episode back together
1: I remember I was watching this and I sent you I I sent you a text message and I said I can't believe what I just saw I just saw Ten and Donna all over again pretty much
0: (laughs) not quite as goofy <laughs> not quite as goofy Oh! but we did and um oh. <laughs> they managed to escape and they take off across the island towards the beach and they end up with the master entrenchard in pursuit with the master's little machine which he's using to summon a sea devil And so episode three of this story ends with a sea devil rising from the sea, coming towards the doctor and Joe, the master and trenchard at the top of the sand dunes above them, and a little truck of soldiers coming from one side and a minefield on the other side. And that's where episode
1: three ends. See, that's something else. With the exception of one little tiny glimpse of like a hand and like part of a face... This is the first time in the first three episodes that you actually see one of the sea devils. You go three whole episodes into this six parter, and this is the first time that you actually see a sea devil. I mean, other than the the little glimpse that you got in that one part, you know, at the beginning. Yeah.
0: No,
1: uh, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Yeah, they're really dragging this out, aren't they? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: they are. Oh, um, the doctor of course decides to head towards the minefield using his sonic screwdriver to discover where the mines are uh, in front of them and having joe follow right in his footsteps as they make their way through the minefield the soldiers are scared off by the sea devil and so the master turns up the amplification essentially on his machine to send the sea devil after the doctor and joe he pursues them into the minefield And when Joe notices it, the doctor turns around and uses his sonic screwdriver to set off the mines behind them, causing the sea devil to scream and run away back to the ocean in pain. Which he, you know, ran into the surf and then flapped down in two feet of water and tried to swim out to sea. Um, (laughs) Reminded me... (laughs) Reminded me of Paul Rubens
1: at the end of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie uh, where he had been stabbed in the chest and he wasn't quite dead. He was only mostly dead. <laughs> and and he's going, oh, ehr, oh, and he's squirming and he's acting like he's in this pain, but it's really overplayed, you know, and it's just um, you're sitting here and you're going dude he's gonna take like four hours to die right this <laughs> <laughs> is it's, it's, it's the same body movements the same body language that you're seeing with this sea devil going back into the water except it's just a little bit faster paced you know it's like uh, 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 just this really melodramatic over the top squirming around and thrashing and you know yeah
0: yeah <laughs> The Doctor and Joe manage to make their way <laughs> back to the mainland and get to the Seaspite base, where Captain Hart has sent out a submarine to investigate the area where these attacks have been, and now his submarine has disappeared. They cannot raise it, they cannot make contact with it. The Master has gotten his machine to work and returns to his cell to fine-tune the details on it, is what he tells Trenchard. And gets the sea devils to come to the prison, attack the prison, and kill everyone inside, including Trenchard. I actually felt sorry for Trenchard in this moment. Because he was completely taken in by the master and then just died a terrible death.
1: Did you feel sorry for him at all? I think I had more of an issue with believing that all of these people could have been killed by these sea devils. (laughs) (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I I saw better fighting moves from Jar Jar Binks in episode one Phantom Menace. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Mesa Bombat. Oh, man.
0: It sounds like we're just completely tearing this episode apart. It's not that bad. Hey, 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 the doctor and the master were great. I'm just saying, but the sea devils,
1: not so much.
0: (laughs) Captain Hart (laughs) has one of the the ships, the Navy ships, go out to send a, a diving bell down to an area of the ocean floor where they last had contact with their submarine. And, of course, the doctor volunteers to go down into the diving bell to see what's out there. He gets down to the bottom and he's looking around. He's like, oh, there's nothing there. And then, oh, oh, there's something. And then the communications are cut. (laughs) Captain Hart orders the diving bell pulled up. And by the time it gets back up to the ship and they open it up, it's empty. And the doctor's not inside. And I have to say, that's probably the most unnerving thing in this entire story. Because you're like, how did he get out? And that's where they end that episode with Joe's reaction. Yeah. Joe's
1: reaction makes it really nice at the end of that she was a highlight of this of this for me too as well i i really liked what she did in this and i really liked you know the doctor and the master in this i they they salvaged this for me to yeah. be perfectly honest
0: the the doctor and the master are definitely obviously the the um primary drivers of this story uh joe is almost relegated to a a secondary character rather than a lead but she does have her moments like you know Being the one to rescue the doctor and you know getting him out of trouble when he walks himself into things, you know, basically like at the beginning with the the passes. (laughs) Um, But uh, the
1: the thing the thing about Joe in this is you don't see her as often or as as uh much I should say, but when you do, everything she does in it matters, and the the way she
0: played this was really nice. Yeah, Joe is definitely. <laughs> definitely a good companion and definitely one of the most genuine things in this story. Everything she does is done uh, genuinely and innocently and it's that's just who she is and it it's really good. So the sea devils obviously are the ones who have taken the doctor out of the the diving bell. Uh, and he is taken to the sea devil's base where he tries to encourage a peaceful negotiation, between the sea devils and mankind because, of course, he failed to bring a peaceful resolution between mankind and the Silurians back in his first season as the Third Doctor, which uh, was one of the things he's regarded as a failure on his part. Of course, the Master then arrives and tries to incite war. At the same time, a complete imbecile from Parliament shows up to take over control of (laughs) operations at the base. And this is Parliamentary <laughs> Private Secretary Walker, who is a male chauvinist <laughs> idiot. The only thing that would have made this more
1: satisfying as a funny character is if he had pulled out his credentials the same way that Harriet Jones does. Prime Minister. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Name's Walker, Parliamentary Private Secretary.
1: Yes, <laughs> we
0: know who you are. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But he shows up and he's like, Oh, I'm here to take over. Get me breakfast. <laughs> and he, he tells the assistant, the young woman who's <sighs> Captain Hart's, you know, right hand assistant, who's helping him run the base while he's out on the ship, he basically <laughs> walks into Hart's office and just treats her like the help. Right. And tells her to go get him some breakfast. And she's about ready to just punch his teeth in, but, you know, maintains her military cool and does what is requested. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) He walks in and just takes over in a way that makes you just want to hate him. Yeah, and not only that, he also does it
1: very nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this is just another Tuesday for him, you know? (laughs) Right. And, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's, It's just so grating and so irritating this is the character in this that you love to hate Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it was yeah
0: and you want to see the sea devils get him get him kill him blow him up kill him with fire they don't by the way (laughs) but of course his first thing to do is to start dropping depth charges yeah in the general vicinity of where the sea devils are which is, of course, where the doctor is and where the missing submarine is. Because heaven forbid you actually do anything to negotiate.
1: <laughs> He's more worried about aggressive negotiations. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there we have another Star Wars reference. I'm sorry I had to. <laughs>
0: no, you're not sorry.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right yeah he hasn't made contact with the sea devils at all and so the doctor is just uh... about to you know secure a diplomatic solution with the sea devils when the depth charges start exploding around them the master of course seizes on the opportunity to say see this means war take the doctor away kill him and attack the naval base which the sea devils gladly do. Well they don't kill the doctor right away, but they take him away. And bring me some more biscuits. Yes, no, well, this is going great. <laughs> bring me some more biscuits. How about some eggs and toast? Bacon, <laughs> jam, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Sausage. Jeez! How big of a breakfast do you eat, Walker? parliamentary <laughs> <your> private secretary. <laughs> Dear Lord. It was probably second breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true, that's true. Second <laughs> breakfast <laughs> <laughs> Although he's a bit tall (laughs) to be a hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) Referencing everything tonight. (laughs) Right, I know. It's fun. Um, In the confusion, though, the doctor manages to escape and gets, uh, you know, a gun to, you know, defend himself with, and he heads to the missing submarine. He rescues them, and they start to pull out of dock and are forced to fire a couple of torpedoes in order to propel them out of the force field that is keeping them there they manage to escape and they get back to base and the doctor of course lays into walker who in a way that is obnoxious enough seems somewhat contrite but almost casually so it's really obnoxious because he's like you know you've not done them any damage you've just made them angry very very angry You know, this is, of course, when the sea devil attack on the naval base begins as the doctor tries to go back down to the bottom of the ocean to make one more final attempt at peace. And, of course, he rounds a corner and about smacks face to beak into a sea devil. (laughs) Of course, you know, Venusian karate happens and they manage to escape that sea devil. But there are too many of them and they're all captured and rounded up. Joe, Captain Hart, Mr. Walker are held in one of the offices there on the base. The Master says that he needs the Doctor's help to finish his machine so he can revive all of the Sea Devil colonies around the world. And the Silurian colonies, too, I believe.
1: See, here's here's my hang-up with this. We know how smart the Master is. We know how smart the Master yes. is. Every single time that he brings the Doctor in on something like this, he shows that his weakness is that he still trusts the doctor to be the good guy and not stab him in the back. You see what I'm saying? Right. right. It's almost like the doctor is his weakness, if, if that makes sense, you know? Yes. Because he keeps bringing the doctor back in, saying, I need you to help me with this. Mm-hmm. Even when the doctor has stabbed him in the back before, you know? And yeah. he has every reason why he would say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, you know? And... And it's literally like he can't let go of the idea that the Doctor is not going
0: to turn on him. Right. (laughs) It's no wonder later incarnations of the Master just decide to kill the Doctor on sight. You know, Uh, or at least pretend like they're going to do that. I
1: mean, yeah, there's a definite
0: difference in dynamic with the third Doctor and
1: Delgado versus Ainley and Sim. Because you're, you're looking at this and you're thinking... I can kind of believe that these guys used to be friends because of the rapport they have with one another. It's like it's like the master believes the doctor is always going to be the good guy, so he's always going to have to be trustworthy because he's the good guy. And the doctor kind of always shows him that he's not always the good guy, quote unquote, you know right uh, he he's He's got his own little dark side tendencies. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. And the Doctor in this episode in particular is more technologically proficient than the Master. And so the Master needs his expertise on this machine of his. And so of course the Doctor helps him fiddle with it and get it up and running to what he wants but he makes a, a mistake and finds a frequency that instead of you know helping to activate the um, other colonies it's a sheer shrill noise that just cuts deep into, you know, the psyche, essentially, <laughs> of the sea devils. Oh. And and the match is like, shut it off, shut it off. What did you do? Oh, sorry. It looks like I had the output in the input, Jack, and the input in the output. Easy mistake. <laughs> <laughs> when,
1: when this thing went off, <laughs> I laughed because it literally made me think of the movie Dumb and Dumber and the most annoying sound on Earth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man
1: yeah that's what it made me think of
0: (laughs) oh dear lord it was an obnoxious noise and i i almost like just turned the volume down until it was done It got bad enough. I got this image in my
1: head of the doctor turning to the master and saying, Hey, you want to hear the most annoying sound on earth? (laughs) (laughs) And the master going, shut it
0: off! Shut it off! Shut it off! (laughs) Oh, man. But the doctor does shut it off. However, in the confusion, uh, Joe manages to escape. And help Captain Hart and some of the other naval folks escape as well. And so they start regrouping while the master takes the doctor back down to the Sea Devil base in order to install the machine and get it working for what it's designed to do. This is, of course, when Walker, parliamentary private secretary, decides to reassert his command and throw his weight around by saying, we're ordering a nuclear strike on that base. And more toast. More (laughs) toast. And jam. Um... (laughs) And everyone is like, I'm sorry, what? You're doing what now? It's just nuts. He's a complete bureaucratic twat who thinks just because he's got a badge that he can come in and tell the these Navy folks how to fight a war. I swear,
1: it felt like, it's- it literally felt like at any moment you were going to see him turn to the side and look at the camera and have this scribbled words come across his chest or something that says, jackass. You know? Oh, Oh, man. Just like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know? Right. Oh.
0: He was just not a nice man. (laughs) Not a nice man at all. No. No. However, things aren't going so well for the Time Lord duo, because as soon as they get the machine back and installed in the Sea Devil base, the Sea Devils go, well, we don't need you guys anymore. Let's put, throw you two in prison, and we'll just take over from here. <laughs> and it is in prison that the doctor goes, oh, by the way, I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. So <laughs> it's going to self-destruct. You did
1: what? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. God. God. <laughs> You're going to kill us all!
0: Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> of course, the doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to get the two of them oh. out. They find some diving suits and exit the base. And they get to the surface. Good
1: thing it wasn't a wooden door.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh. And they get to the surface just before the base explodes and minutes before the nuclear warhead was set to launch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and... The underwater base exploded. Emergency boats are sent out to, you know, see if there's any survivors. And they pick up the master and the doctor. The master does not appear to be doing well at all. We're a little concerned.
1: And Silurians all around the rest of the world are going, finally, someone got rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) Our hillbilly
0: redneck cousins. (laughs) Maybe not. But the sea devils are destroyed. Uh, the doctor you know says oh it's all right we're we're okay although i'm not very happy about the outcome and then they realize that the gentleman that is being carried away on a stretcher coming off the boat is not the master the master has hypnotized one of the paramedics in order to take his place and he steals the hovercraft and escapes waving goodbye to the doctor as the episode ends as he scurries away to freedom. Giggling and twirling his mustache. Right, right. <laughs> and the Doctor just stares irritably out to sea, watching the hovercraft disappear. That's uh, crazy. And that's how the Sea Devils ends.
1: I like that part. I thought that part <laughs> was really cool.
0: Yeah, it, it worked. You see, that's something else that Doctor Who
1: did first. But, because that is almost an identical ending to... Halloween H2O, where Michael Myers takes the place of one of the paramedics in the ambulance at the end of the movie by putting his mask on the paramedic and putting uh, like a piece of tape over his mouth or whatever so he can't speak, so that he can run and escape while the paramedic gets killed. Same ending.
0: Okay. Um, (laughs) Not what I saw. Um, I don't don't do the horror movies very much. Well, I'm just I'm Um, just
1: saying it was one of those twisty kind of. Uh, sneaking, taking someone else's place kind of endings, but Doctor Who did it, like, 30 years earlier or whatever,
0: you know? Uh, So, yeah, there's the Sea Devils there. Uh, mm, uh, I don't know exactly how to start wrapping this up, though. (laughs) (laughs) You know, obviously we've talked about the Sea Devils here. What was the Master's ultimate goal here? The way
1: that I took it was the Master's ultimate goal was to start a war that he knew the humans could not win and ensure the destruction of the human race because he wanted to hurt the doctor's feelings. Because the doctor put him in prison. (laughs) Basically. He was mad at the doctor for having him imprisoned and uh, it, it came off like, well, the doctor hurt my feelings, so I'm gonna hurt the doctor's feelings by killing off all the people that he cares about. So he was gonna
0: wipe out the human race. Gotcha. Okay, it's a thin <laughs> plot, but it makes sense. Well,
1: I mean, that's that's the way that it was portrayed for me anyway.
0: Yeah, I, that's, the, that's the thing that makes the most sense out of all the other ideas I've had. Because I, <laughs> like I said, it's, I've had a hard time putting it together. So, Well, see, that's the uh, reason I say that the
1: dynamic between um, the Master and the Third Doctor is different. Because they still act like they want to be friends to a certain point, you know.
0: Right. Which you don't get later on, right, and you don't really see that return until <laughs> Missy and twelve this past season, mm-hmm. yeah, no you're right, um, so why don't you go ahead and start wrapping up, Give your final thoughts and and rating on this one what what should we
1: rate <laughs> 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 um, I don't know <laughs> I don't know that john Pertwee and, and Roger Delgado were able to redeem this enough for me to give it a good rating uh, even though I loved their performances in this. It, there was just okay. so much wrong with it. I mean the, look, the settings were great you know, the, the, the main cast that, you know, the main recurring cast I should say was great The the humor, the dry humor that was put in there was good but there was still just so much wrong with it. I mean it had clear cut pacing issues where they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to the same places over and over and over and over and over again, kind of going back to some of the first doctor situations, but the first doctors uh, episodes pulled it off better than this. If you get what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. this got to the point where you literally just started to feel like you're just dragging it on just because you have to, you know, and this could have easily been re- wrapped up in, in four episodes. Yeah. It could have very easily uh, been a much more concise and and uh, dynamic and more action-packed story. Had they cut out all of the junk and just told the important parts of the story, they could have easily done it in four episodes and it still told the entire story they needed to tell and been Probably a much higher quality uh, story. But I mean, you think about it, you cut out two episodes, you've already saved a lot of budget <laughs> just by cutting out two episodes. Right. You could take that and put it back into the other four, and that alone would have helped them to have improved quality.
0: Yeah, no, this is... This is not one of my favorites at all. Like I said, the plot line seems very thin for the Master in this. Uh, the, the moral dilemma where, you know, the doctor wants to help the sea devils because of what happened to the Silurians kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And the fact that the sea devils get betrayed, not necessarily directly, but get betrayed by the master, the doctor, and the human race and are left by themselves in a disaster of their own making, essentially, is tried to be brought to bear in the final episode. But it's just so buried under everything else that it doesn't come across nearly impactful enough. You know, you're right uh Joe is a highlight. She's always a great companion for the doctor here especially with this adventure um you know she she's the uh she's got a a certificate in escapology and so she's able to you know help everyone escape a couple times <laughs> during this episode. But you're right that it has pacing issues because episode 3 is like action-packed episode. We mm-hmm. have the sword fight, we have the Doctor and Joe running around the island trying to escape uh, from the Master and Trenchard and the soldiers and then the Silurian, and all this stuff is happening, and this is like the runaround episode where everyone's doing stuff, and then there's episodes that just drag because you're mm-hmm. standing in offices talking all the time. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's like start, stop, start, stop, and drag it out, you know, and unfortunately... This could have been really good, but, you know, it just the story wasn't thick enough to be stretched over six episodes. Well, not
1: only that, you know, it's having parts in there where people are just standing in an office talking. It can work really well if it's done correctly. There's a lot of stuff where they're just rehashing things that have already been done somewhere else in the story yeah because they had to go over here and tell this person about this that the fans already knew about and they have to go over here and tell this person about this
0: that the fans already knew about and there's just certain unnecessary stuff it's the feeling okay the, the theatrical term is verisimilitude and what that means is everything that takes place on the stage has to take place in real time right and back in the day especially during the middle ages and the Renaissance period that the play could only last as long as it took to perform it in the story. So the story is you're basically coming in at the climax of an issue. You get told the backstory and you come in at the climax of the issue where everything happens within the two hours that you're there at the theater. Mm -hmm. And so if something takes longer than two hours, you can't really have it on the stage. And the, um, the first doctor really kind of had, Quite a bit of that. It wasn't, right. you know, obviously their time cuts and they had, you know, things changed, but there was a lot of that. And that kind of happened a lot in this episode, except the stuff that happened in this episode was the doctor and Joe go and do something. And then they have to come back to the office and tell Captain Hart and the Navy what just happened, what they just did. Right. And it's like, we have to explain all this stuff in order to move on the story. And I'm like, but you didn't have to. You could just pick up, from. okay, so doctor, (laughs) what do we do about this? You know, and rather than (laughs) re-explaining what you just did two scenes ago. Which is
1: kind of what they went back to doing later. You know, they would have it cut and they would end on the end of a conversation or whatever where they just got finished explaining those kinds of things, you know,
0: which makes a lot more sense in the visual storytelling of this. And it keeps the pace up too. Yeah. The daemons did that. The daemons did that. It was, you were, you know, coming in, at the midpoint of the conversation after right. the explanation's already been done, and they're like, okay, so we here's the solution for that and they and it kept the pace up you know, the demon is five episodes and it didn't feel like it you know was too long or too short. it was great. And so they've done it before with the third doctor. I
1: would say that that is a director's issue and a writer's issue, a combination of the two yeah. because that stuff doesn't just
0: happen. By accident,
1: it has to be planned that way.
0: Yeah, it was one of those things where I think the the idea of all of this on location shooting took priority because the locations are great. I will give them that. The locations are great. You know, they're on location. It's not a soundstage for probably seventy percent of the episode. Right. It's quite a lot, and so it's actually quite good. And so I think a lot of focus was spent on that. I, I'm not. Trying to crap on this and say that you shouldn't watch it because I feel like there's some elements in here, particularly the relationship between the doctor and the master, where they start exploring those connections and the Mm -hmm. history between the two that are fascinating. You know, they really, this is the start. This is where they really start peeling back the layers of that onion. And so there's some good stuff in here. So I'd say watch it, but know what you're getting into beforehand. What you were saying about the
1: settings and the. The locations and whatever taking precedence over story. Uh, that is something that we saw happen when they first started making 3D movies and stuff. They were so mm-hmm. focused on the 3D aspect of the movie that everything else around that kind of suffered. You know, they put so much budget into the 3D aspect of the movie that they didn't have enough money a lot of times to pay for quality actors or to pay for quality special effects and things like that because everything was so wrapped up in the 3d and it that's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. that you're talking about here you know it's like they put so much effort into saying hey we want to have this visual spectacle that they kind of forgot what the visual spectacle was there for right it it's crazy i don't understand that because i've seen other situations where budgetary constraints and things like this were an issue because they had to choose this method or that method to tell the story, either through special effects or whatever, but they still treated that as what it was supposed to be in making sure that that did not take precedence over the actors and over the plot and everything it all boils down in my opinion to writing and directing yeah. a, a, a writer, a writer and a director that truly focus on the characters and truly focus on the pacing and the plotting of the story are, are not going to allow that spectacle to
0: overshadow their story, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and give a rating on the sea devils. Um, I, I feel like we should be giving uh, you know rating this minefields. Um, how many minefields would you give <laughs> the Sea Devils? Are you saying that because you feel like it went kablooey? Um, <laughs> uh, some of it did. Um, <laughs> what are you... Do you want to go first or shall I? I'll let you go first this time. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give this... Uh, this is the lowest I think I've given a Doctor Who story. Um, I'm not sure, <laughs> but it might be. And that's... I'm going to give this a f- five maybe a five and a half out of 10. Oh, <laughs> the positive points the positive points to this are are where the actors shine the sets are good but the the biggest <laughs> point is the banter when it's not being bogged down by exposition the banter in this is very good the banter in this is very good yeah. uh the but it is lost a lot of times in the exposition sometimes which is unfortunate yeah. But the banter is good. The stuff between the doctor and the master is quite good, but it just gets lost in the, the slog. That all of is... the all of the food related stuff is hilarious too. Yes, uh, Walk, <laughs> Walker, you know, as much of, as a character that he's the one that you love to hate, he breathes life back <laughs> into the story that's becoming stale. Uh, you he's... know he's a memorable (laughs) character because he's funny and he just disrupts everything but it it, it gives a nice (laughs) little added punch to a story that's starting to get a bit stale so (laughs) i said that i wanted to see him
1: killed with fire what i actually wanted to see is for the doctor to make him look like the biggest fool you know and uh i think to a certain extent we did get To see
0: that. A little bit, but he still ends up walking away with some of his (laughs) dignity. Well, I think that, at least
1: in my opinion, we kind of, the audience got to see the doctor make a fool of him without him even realizing to a certain point that the doctor had done that. Right. And that makes it kind of even funnier because he's so oblivious (laughs) that he can't even figure out when someone's made a fool of him. Right. Right. So, yeah, but, okay, I'm, I'm going to give this, what are you going to give this rating? How many minefields? (laughs) I'm going to give this five and a half. Um, I can't go any higher than that. And it's not because of, of the acting. It's more of the pacing and, and let's just be honest. The, the embarrassment that is the, the, uh, (laughs) sea devils
0: in this. Oh dear. There is It's the, the episode where they're trapped on the beach and they've got the sea devil headed to them and oh. he's running right at them for the final shot. And it's just this big, like, rubber mm. foam eye heading straight at the camera. And it's just like, why are you getting that close to it? It looks terrible. Well, see, now, if, if they were doing that
1: now, I think, I believe, honestly, if they were doing that now, not only would they have put... Um, some of the, the uh, inserted eyepieces uh, like they have in the um, the Henson creature shop, uh, I think they would have put, um, you know, mechanisms in the face uh, to cause the mouth and, and eyes to move and things like that. You know, they might not have changed the overall appearance, but I think that they would have changed it enough to make it feel real. And that's just something we did not get even close to having back then. I mean, look, they could have take they could have taken care of part of this just by putting like a, a a reflective, you know, shiny coat of clear coat over the eyes or something to make them look wet or or uh, you know, putting even some type of a pull string mechanism on the inside of the mouth that somebody could, you know, pull up and down out of screen underneath their clothes or something, you know, to make the mouth move when they talk, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's very low tech ways of doing things but at least it would have been better than what we got it it really kind of just felt like that they put minimal effort into trying to make these things look realistic
0: yeah it and the music is obnoxious to me at times it really is (laughs) a i mentioned it earlier but yeah there's a well there's
1: a couple of other episodes for the third doctor that have the same problem with music
0: yeah yeah (laughs) um But we'll bring those up when it happens. That being said, I think we should stop berating the sea devils because we want to remain somewhat positive here. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? (laughs) Oh, man. We will be returning back to um, another Master Story (gasps) episode here with the the Time Monster next episode. Um, I've seen this one once. uh, And I think if I remember correctly, it's better than the sea devils so we should have more positive (laughs) things to talk about next time dude this is the lowest
1: rating that we have given any episode that we've talked about yeah so far
0: including sleep no more Mm, yes yes although yeah so yeah think about that that being said if you like the (laughs) sea devils if you act, – I'm actually curious, though. If you like the Sea Devils, though, I really want to hear why you like it because I had a hard time with this episode. Like I said, I've seen this like three or four times now, and I still – it still is rough for me. If you like the Sea Devils, please let us know. I really want to, want to hear what you like about it. Hit us up <laughs> on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash talkingtimelords. You can tweet us at @talkingtimelord or email us at talkingtimelords.com. Um, Of course, links to all of that are found on our website, which is TalkingTimeLords.com. And please, leave us a rating and review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you find our lovely little podcast. Paul, um, are you looking forward to to moving on from the Sea Devils? Uh, Yeah. All right. (laughs) See, this is the kind of Um,
1: episode, or the kind of story arc, I should say, uh that if we were going to go back, if, if we were like some other shows that I've listened to before who go back and choose episodes later on uh, to talk about in a drunk cast where they, they actually get drunk and talk about an episode uh, and make fun of it. This is the episode that we would pick to do something like that with, because it's just got so much to make
0: fun of. (laughs) Yes. I, yes, that might be the way to get me to watch this again. That might be the way to get me to watch this again. Um, well oh. I don't know if we'll do that ever, but uh it's something to keep in the back of our mind. No it's something uh, in our back pocket. Probably not, but
1: Probably not. We're a family. <laughs> show. But I I've, I've heard shows I've heard shows do that before and it can be quite hilarious. So, you know. And
0: yeah. a cat. Like I said, we'll oh. be back next episode with our next master story review here we're gonna do the time monster so go ahead and check out BritBox box if you want to watch it so you can follow along with us as we discuss that episode but i think before the sea devils come flapping their way out of the ocean we're gonna wrap up this episode i just about made you spit out your drink there um uh, that'll wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 81 of Talking Time Lords and Sea Devils. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember until next time, may you hope far flung hopes
1: and dream masterful dreams. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
0: Intimidating at all. I didn't have the heart to say that. With everything oh. else we were crit- just cropping about this thing. It's just like they had to run almost like with their legs going sideways. Oh. It was, and everything just <laughs> flapped like the headpiece and the, the silly fishnet uh, togas. And oh. oh, it just all flapped and it didn't uh. look good at all. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, I, I don't <laughs> uh, I don't like doing this to a Doctor Who they, episode. But. They
1: had to overcompensate with the big guns. You know what I'm saying? They had to have the big guns to
0: compensate
1: for all their other inadequacies.
0: <laughs> they come oh. back. They come back in a fifth Doctor story.
1: Yeah.
0: They're a lot more intimidating. Along with some of the other the Silurians. Um, along with some of the other Silurians, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they've got helmets, and so they'll actually look... <laughs> You know, more menacing. So, um,
1: well, they had to do something to cover up the ugly.